Grace, mercy, and the peace of our God be and abide with you this day, this holy night, as we celebrate the birth of Jesus, as we celebrate the one who was promised, the one who came, and the one who is at home in our hearts. This has been a very strange year. 2020 has just been odd. It's a different Christmas. It's a different experience to have just my family here in the building. This sanctuary that typically for Christmas Eve is pretty full. Times we're squeezing in. Maybe we're worshiping with people that we don't regularly see because, well, a lot of times for a number of years we had two different worship services and we would all gather on Christmas Eve at the same time and People would squeeze together into the pews, and family from out of town would be here, and, and it would just be a, a joyous celebration. And we'd sing the favorite hymns of Christmas, and the voices would fill the room. Just our family here tonight, giving us a different interpretation of that familiar song, I'll Be Home for Christmas. It's just us. Now, tomorrow, when it's just us, home for Christmas, for my family, actually, that's fairly normal. We don't have family nearby, extended family. And so Christmas for us often was just us, gathered around the Christmas tree, celebrating, opening presents, and all of that. But for many, this year is different. Maybe you wanted to travel. Maybe you had plans to be out of town to join with family, and that just couldn't happen. Or maybe you're at home, and home is different. And it doesn't quite feel right. It doesn't quite feel the same. For us, this year, it's never, I think, in at least my lifetime, been more evident that we're living in a fixer-upper. Living in a fixer-upper. When I went to college in Terre Haute, Indiana, I met a guy um, just through friend-of-a-friend kind of way. Didn't really ever get to know him. Don't remember his name. But I remember learning that while he wasn't very much older than me, he had been working for himself for a number of years. And what he did would be to buy properties, buy homes that he could get for not a lot of money and live in them and fix them up and sell those houses. So before flipping houses was a national phenomenon which, with television shows on like the HDTV network or whatever it's on, uh, he was doing that already. And he was making a living by living in the fixer-upper while he fixed it up. Our home is a fixer-upper, not the house that we live in as a family, but the home that we all share. We live in a fixer-upper because creation was devastated by sin. In order to understand the celebration that Christmas is and the birth of Jesus and why that makes such a difference, we have to understand that creation was devastated, that everything was changed by sin. Genesis 1 and 2 tell us that creation, when God made it, when he put it together, was good. In fact, 
the end of chapter 1 into chapter 2, he talks about being very good. The garden where people lived and even the first people, all of that, very good, perfect, with a relationship with God that, that was in sync, where they could walk together and talk together and share time. But then comes Genesis chapter 3. And only just barely more than two chapters into the Bible, and we already run into the problem of sin. We call it the fall. When Adam and Eve ate that forbidden fruit and introduced sin, and the result is this brokenness that's all around us. We have been feeling that brokenness completely lately. We only really know decay. We only really understand entropy, which is the law of physics that says everything goes from order to disorder. And, and so God's good creation went from order to disorder, to brokenness, to chaos. And death entered the world through sin. The book of Romans is clear about that. That Sin entered the world through a man, and through sin, death came. And 2020 has given us plenty of evidence of that brokenness. COVID is part of our dictionary, part of our language now. A word that a year ago, I don't think any of us knew yet. And now we talk about it pretty much every day. And we hear of people who have tested positive and people who are in the hospital, and families and friends who have lost loved ones. And maybe you've lost a loved one to this dreaded disease. It's evidence of the brokenness and ethnic injustice and the resulting tensions, evidence of the brokenness in this world. Man's capacity for evil, which we have seen plenty of in 2020. Lying and jealousy and uncaring attitudes and self-importance and the inability to do good for neighbor seems to be all around us. Don't turn on the news tonight. Just keep celebrating Jesus. But if you want to see the brokenness, turn on the news too. Not tomorrow. Keep celebrating Christmas. Sometime, you know, in a few days. If we just turn on the news, we will see evidence of the brokenness in this world put on the screen of our TVs, put on our devices as we scroll headlines, put out there on social media as people's attitudes are evident there. We see the brokenness in this world. We live in this brokenness. We've suffered for most of us through the most difficult year that we've known. And it's not just all stuff in the news. It's not just all pandemic. It's not just all things that have happened that have caught national or even international attention. Maybe, maybe this year you've suffered something that's private, that's personal, that's connected not to 2020, but to other issues and other problems. It's a tough year. 
It's a tough world in which we live. But this is where we live. And this is where, for now, we're at home. Because we live here. As a family, we've moved a few times. Paula and I, before even getting married, had moved a little bit. My family has deep roots where my parents and my sisters still live. When you move to a new community, there's maybe certain things you have in mind. When we got married and we moved a couple of places around the Cincinnati area and we felt pretty settled and then, well, we uprooted the small family and moved just a couple states over to St. Louis so that I could attend the seminary. And from there we moved to Oklahoma and from Oklahoma to here back in 2013. And the move to St. Louis and the move to here were both preceded by conversations with people who had lived where we were going, who had previous experience with the communities in which we were going to settle. And both times, we learned some things about where we were going. They gave us advice. If you want to move in, into this city, this is a good part, maybe not over here. Have you gotten that kind of advice before? It's important when we're moving to a new place. We want to have good schools. We want to have low crime. We want to move into a nice neighborhood with friendly people. It's rare that a person chooses intentionally to move to where they may consider it unsafe, where there's possibly high crime. We avoid certain places. It's Well, imagine this. Imagine moving to a place that you might consider dangerous, among people who might not know you. Did you think of an urban space, possibly? Or maybe a foreign country where you don't understand the people who are there and they don't necessarily understand you. Now imagine Jesus looking at the map and rather than avoid the hardest parts of the world and choosing to live in the nicest neighborhood stepped into our brokenness when Jesus came to dwell. He stepped into our brokenness into this world when he came to dwell among us. Our reading from John chapter 1 that we started with said, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, a prophecy that we see fulfilled in the birth of Jesus says, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us, literally, in Hebrew, that's exactly what it means. I mean, if you were to pull the parts of the word out, it's with us, God. With us, Elohim, God in our presence. But it's not just being in the same place. It's more intimate than that. Sometimes we're in the same place with other people. Maybe not so much lately. 
when we can't go to places and gather with other people. But we probably have memories of being in the same place at the same time, even with crowds. Nowadays, it seems like if we go to a place and there's people gathered, we get a little bit nervous. <laughs> have you been to the store recently? I've heard stories about people going shopping, and locally, at least, retail places are supposed to be uh, restricted to maybe 25% of capacity, and, and people have walked in and been a little freaked out that there's too many people. See, being where people are right now seems like well, it makes us uneasy. It seems dangerous. But even when we would be in a crowded place, in that sporting event or concert venue, or in a crowded restaurant, if we can remember those days, we were there among other people. We weren't really with those people. Right? We were in the same place at the same time, but we were not with all the people who are gathered around us. God is with us. Not just in the same place at the same time, but sharing in our humanity. This is the presence of God in the world. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 put it this way. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same thing that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. God is present among us. He is with us. He's, he's partaking of our humanity. Philippians chapter 2 talks about him being found in fashion as a man, humbling himself, taking on the form of a servant, See, Jesus took on flesh and blood and bone, was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, the creed tells us. So, so the baby that was born in, laid in the manger is God in the flesh, and he dwells with us. But he doesn't just dwell with us. He also dwells within us. God is with us and within us, by his grace. Because he didn't just come to people. He, he came to you. He came to me. By the power of the Spirit working within us, Christ dwells in our hearts. Our hearts are his home. This is from Ephesians chapter 3, beginning verse 16. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, is, says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He came to dwell among us and now he dwells within us by the power of the spirit working in our hearts through that faith through which God claims us, the Spirit of God moving within us, transforming us, making us more and more like Jesus. You know, when you're a part of a family, you want to be together. Most of us, I think, this year have this longing 
right? A longing to, to have life like we remember it. Or we want things to be like they were when, right? We have a longing for normalcy. We have a longing to go back. We long for home, for comfort, for a place. We as believers in Jesus who gather and celebrate the birth of Christ our Savior long for home, but it's not a home that's found in this world right now. It's a longing for a home that is with God. Hebrews chapter 11, which is the kind of faith hall of fame chapter, talks about Bible heroes in the Old Testament that, you know, Abraham and, and other heroes of the faith and what kind of faith they had to do the things that they did. Verses 13 and 14 tell us that the faith heroes of that chapter did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. In other words, don't get comfortable in this home. Long for the home that is to come. We look forward to the completion of all things. We look forward to that day when everything is made right. See, Christmas is really the start of God putting it all back like it was at creation. It's more than the birth of a baby. See, he grew up. And he lived a perfect, obedient life. And he gathered a group of disciples, and he taught, and he loved, and he shared life, and he was in time and space sharing life with these people. He was human, yet fully divine, and he showed that power over nature, over illness, even over death. The religious elite of his day didn't understand him. And that same Jesus laid down his life at the cross. So the manger only makes sense in the shadow of the cross. It only makes sense to celebrate the birth of Jesus as Savior to understand his death on our behalf and his resurrection, proving his power over death as he overcame death and the grave on our behalf. He ascended, and as we confessed in the creed, is seated at the right hand of God. And from then he, thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. At that time there will be resurrection for all. So if you're missing a loved one this Christmas, that day is coming. When we will all be home together and we will dwell with God. Toward the end of the book of Revelation, chapter 21 says this, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. When that happens, this gift of a Savior is fully realized and complete and we 
will be home at last. Living in the presence of God for all eternity. Until then, make your home in Jesus. Live by faith, that faith that welcomes Jesus into your heart. Live by that faith so you can find peace even in this brokenness of this world. Be at peace with God, longing for your heavenly home. To the glory of the newborn King. Amen.